This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five, and then you may be seated this morning. So we're in this series on the miracles of the New Testament, and two Sundays ago before Mother's Day, we did Jesus Heals an Invalid at Bethesda. That was part one. This morning is part two. What we're doing in 2023 is we're walking through the miracles of the New Testament, looking for principles and patterns, because if we could learn how to look for these principles and patterns for answered prayer and healing and miracles in the New Testament and then turn around and apply those principles and patterns to our own lives, we could live our lives and hardly have an unmet need. Now these activities we are pointing out from the Word of God as principles and patterns for healing and miracles are spiritual activities, not physical or natural activities, and they have spiritual power. We don't even think about it. But, you know, when you exercise, that's a physical activity. If you're trying to eat right, that's a physical activity. If you read about vitamins and supplements you ought to be taking and you do that, that's a natural activity. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, said that exercise profits a little. So we know that we can get involved in a physical activity and there'll be some benefit, or we can get involved in a natural activity, then there'll be some benefit. But I think too often, even God's people fail to realize there are spiritual activities, and spiritual activities have power. I know one of the mental hurdles is on confession and saying what God's Word says about our lives. I went through this myself. In the time frame of 1989, 1990, 1991, when I got serious on my confession and began saying that the Lord my God was meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, because other people would say you're lying, and the devil's always there saying you're lying, and you just have to power through it. But part of what helped me was to come to an understanding that this is a spiritual activity. In other words, I might try and eat right, that's a natural activity. Or I might exercise my physical mortal body, that's a physical activity. Well, and there's some benefit to natural and physical activities, but they're not spiritual activities. And so I have to apply myself to spiritual activities. Prayer is a spiritual activity. Saying what God's word says is a spiritual activity. Rebuking the devil is a spiritual activity. And there's great power to it. I'm sad to say, but a lot of believers go through their whole lives and they never derive any benefit from these spiritual activities. Now, they act all spiritual. They act all spiritual. They act all spiritual. But that doesn't mean they're actually employing spiritual activities. You know, there's a big difference between, let's say, engaging in the spiritual activity of prayer versus being a weirdo, or engaging in the spiritual activity of confession versus being a weirdo. 
You know, I was just around this this week, so it's very clear to me. Amen. You know, people that they can act all spooky and weird and spiritual, but I like to look at people's shoes. <laughs> you know, and it's easier actually with men's shoes than women's shoes, but I, you know, people act all spiritual. I, I look at their shoes, you know what I'm saying? In other words, I want to I see how God has shown up or not shown up. Amen. Amen, because I'm looking for evidence. And so what I've noticed in my life is that the people who make your skin crawl typically have the least God showing up. Say it out loud, acting like a weirdo, like a weirdo. is not, not a New Testament, a New Testament. Spiritual, spiritual activity. activity. Amen. Amen. It's, it's a placebo, it's a salve, it's a, it's a uh, ruse, it's a, uh, it's a canard, it's a uh, subterfuge. I don't know why I'm off on this, but I am. <laughs> Spiritual activities. And the thing I know about spiritual activities is spiritual activities show up in your body. Spiritual activities show up in your home. And spiritual activities show up in your pocketbook. I mean, saving money is a, a natural or a physical activity. It helps. But confessing what God's word has to say about our finances is a spiritual activity. And it shows up. And what people want to do is they want to not be doers of the word of God. They want to not follow New Testament spiritual principles and patterns. They want to not engage in New Testament spiritual activities. And then they want to mask all of that with spookiness and weirdoism. And I, listen, if being a weirdo or a kook or a nut got stuff paid off, I might be the kookiest guy in town. But I never saw any power to it. I have never seen any power to it. But if I will take action on the Word of God, if I will engage in spiritual activities, tithing is a spiritual activity. Well, I don't understand that. Well, you don't understand anointing with oil. So what difference does it make? The power is not in understanding it. The power is in doing it. You can fast in the natural, and it has benefits. But that, if you're doing it to lose weight, that's not a spiritual activity. But then there's fasting as a spiritual activity. And it has, it has a side benefit on the natural side, but it has a whole nother set of spiritual benefits. Am I helping anybody? So when, we are, when we're looking for these patterns and principles in the New Testament, I want you to see, and, and I mentioned a couple of Sundays ago and then on a Wednesday night, that if people come to us and next month I will have been in the ministry 50 years and they come to us and they tell us their challenges and their situations, if I know of a natural cure, cure I'll tell them because I want people well no matter what. But Jesus, that was not his ministry. His ministry was always a spiritually based ministry. And that's why, that's why when you read the four gospels and what Jesus had to say, that's why the natural mind reacts to so much of it because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, for, for the bulk of my life, I had trouble with Matthew 6. There are people here this morning and because you're not a doer of the word on Matthew chapter 6, you're not able to receive your healing. Because he says, do not worry. And I'm telling you what, most of my life I struggled with it, then I got over it. I got past it. I don't worry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I cast all my cares on him. See, that's a spiritual activity. 
I cast all my cares on him and I just got over worry. Do not worry. There's not anybody that can add one hour to their life by worrying. So what are we, all we're doing when we worry is we hinder our own health and we hinder our own faith and we hinder the ability to receive healing from Almighty God. These are spiritual activities and they have power in the physical realm and they have power in the financial realm. Now an unsaved person would never acknowledge that. They would never receive that, believe that. They would of course never take action on that. How in the world can saying what God says about my money make a difference in my checkbook. That doesn't make any sense. The power is not in understanding it. The power is in doing it. Amen. Number one, Jesus said it again. Mark, uh, excuse me, John 5, Jesus said it. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is, in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five color, covered colonnades. We dealt with that two weeks ago. There were so many people hanging around this place waiting for an angel to stir the water so that they might be the first person into the water hoping to get healed that uh, the Jews of those days built five colonnades or porches or shaded areas around this pool called Bethesda. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. How many of you would agree with me? That's a long time. Amen. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And we dealt with that two weeks ago. Wilt, the King James says, wilt thou be made whole? And I'll tell you what, a lot of getting our prayers answered and a lot of receiving from the Lord has to do with the will. I've been meditating on this for about three weeks now. The human will is the greatest gift God ever gave to man. And few people understand it and few people employ it. Wilt thou be made whole? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now I want you to see something about this man, and this is so typical of people in every generation. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So he was literally sitting around waiting for an angel to do something. And he was literally sitting around waiting for a man to help him. The King James says, sir, I have no man to help me. And uh, many people spend their entire lives sitting around waiting for something to happen. I'll tell you one thing that's going to happen while you're sitting around waiting for something to happen, and that is you're going to get older. And I'll tell you something else that's going to happen while you're sitting around waiting for something to happen is time's going by. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're waiting for a miracle or a ship to come in or for someone else to do something to, for them, someone else to do something for them to make their life better. That's not faith. That is hope. Faith requires action now to change your life for the better. Sitting around waiting for something to happen is not faith, it's, it's hope. And hope is not a plan. Hope is not a strategy. Sitting around waiting for someone to help you look. You just have to get over it. I mean, I, I, thank God, thank God, thank God, I got over this early. Thank God, thank God, thank God, I got over this as a young man. And that is, I just stopped expecting anybody to help me. If somebody's a blessing, then that's a great, big, pleasant surprise. And then that allows me, because I have disciplined myself to not expect anybody to help me, it gives me a right mental posture that when someone does help me, automatically I'm inclined to thank them because I was not expecting it. 
Can you see that? This generation is terrible about saying thank you, and this generation is terrible about sending thank you notes. So I disciplined myself decades ago to not expect any help from any quarter. I disciplined myself decades ago to look to my Father God as the source of healing and as the source of needs met and as the source of finances and as the source of everything I need. But he was looking to an angel and he was looking to men. And so Jesus comes along and says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, don't just sit there, do something. Don't just sit there, do something. Don't just sit there, do something. You say you want a better marriage? Well, how about respecting your husband? You say you want a better marriage? How about loving your wife? You say you want money? How about saving money? You say you want money? How about uh, giving God, honoring God out of the wealth that you have right now? You say you, say you want to, uh, you know, buy a new car? How about saving up toward it? You say you want to get out of the apartment into the house? How about saving up toward it? How long are you going to sit there and wait for an angel or anointing oil or a Daniel fast or whatever it is, how long are you going to sit there and look to men? Shout it out loud like it's the last day of your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, I can. It's not, I can with your help. Don't misunderstand me. I'm very grateful. I see the ushers doing what they're doing. I'm grateful. I see, you know, the singers doing what they're doing. I'm grateful. The guys we never look at unless something goes wrong. There's guys up there in the sound booth right now. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for all of it. But I have to live my life with my focus on the source of all that I need, the source of my healing, the source of my funding, the source of all that I need, and that is my Father God. And I cannot live my life waiting on someone to do something. I have got to do the doing. Shout it again like your life dependent on it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Somebody helps me, great. <laughs> I'm not counting on that. Don't just sit there. Do something. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And you know, in our day, in our society, that would be, the words of Jesus would be perceived as cruel, unkind, lacking sympathy. What Jesus was saying was, don't just sit there, do something. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say, when we act on God's word, our heavenly Father will manifest his power just as he did in the days when Jesus walked on this earth. When we act on God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, we are not servants of God like the Old Testament believers. We are now the sons and the daughters of God. So we don't have to sit around and wait for an angel or some man to do something. We can do something ourselves now to precipitate our own miracle. I said we can do something ourselves now to precipitate our own miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said it. Get up. <laughs> Stop waiting on an angel. Stop waiting on a man. Ain't no man gonna help you. Get up. Walk. Number two, the invalid did it. 
Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now you know, I know, the man knew and a, that a person who has been an invalid for 38 years cannot get up, pick up his mat and walk, but the invalid did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. I never cease to be amazed at what Paul called the foolishness of preaching. I, I, I never cease to be amazed. People come up to me, you know, that let's say they were young people in 2004 when I did Men of Destiny, and they come up and they tell me, you know, I was a young man, I was a teenager, I sat there, I heard that, and I decided that's what I wanted. Or they tell me, one man told me, somebody gave him a CD from that series, and he took it to the gal he was dating, and he told her, that's what I want to be. These are some of the biggest givers here now. And there are other people, and they've heard and 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 heard. I never cease to be amazed at the preaching of the Word of God. Never. I've been, I've been a Christian 62 years, and I never cease to be amazed at the preaching of the Word of God. Because you preach the Word of God, and somebody over there, I mean, man, it's just a light bulb moment, and it just goes off, and, and they receive their healing, or they become a, a millionaire in 10 years, or whatever it is, and then somebody else, you know, it just goes, shoo. And what is the difference? It's not black or white. It's not oriental. It's not male or female because we have all kinds of people and they, they get healed, all kinds of people. They, they pull ahead, all kinds, all kinds, all kinds. And it's not uh, holiness the way people understand holiness. If it weren't for ex-drug addicts, we'd still have debt on this building. If it weren't for men who had been divorced and remarried, we would still have debt on this building. See, there's, a, there's a, a difference between being a goody two-shoes and having faith in God. Amen. And having faith in God will work for anybody because God answers the most unsuitable candidates. Unsuitable in our opinion. Well, I know, you know, if, if it, God was going to heal anybody, he would have blessed, he would have healed sister so-and-so. She was the most holy person I ever met. And yet maybe God doesn't answer their prayer, but God will answer somebody's prayer over here, been di divorced and remarried. Because it's, it's not about holiness in our eyes. It's about faith in God. Have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God. Come up off of that bed of affliction, come out of that apartment, get rid of that tote, the note car, make your dreams come to pass, hallelujah. I came down to this house to tell you that you can dream big and you can live large, but you can't do it sitting there and letting the word go in one ear and out the other ear. And it won't happen when you get offended when somebody says, stop counting on an angel and stop counting on men and by God rise up and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 I have not done one thing encouraged by anybody. I have done all that I have done discouraged by politicians and zoning committees and city planners, but I just plowed ahead. I just believe God. I just believe God. I just believe God. Shout it again. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can, not some angel can. I can, not some man can. I can. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you got to stop sitting around waiting for somebody to help you. Amen. 
Yeah, but... God, God help you and God bless you. Because people are sitting here right now and you're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but what God told me to do is impossible. So what? Amen. Who do you think's talking to you? Amen. I said, who do you think's talking to you? Amen. He comes along and Tells me to put the roof on Bud Sickler's church. That wasn't possible, but we did it. He comes along and tells me in January of 2018 to give a million dollars into the challenge offering. That wasn't possible, but we did it. We just did it. We just did it. We just did it. Hey, man, I, I could not care any at all at this time in my life what the devil's got to say or what the world's got to say or, or what somebody's opinion is. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what has God said? Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. He told me to do something impossible. Can we agree on this? God is more intelligent than we are. Amen. So can we get our minds around this? If God comes along and he tells you to do something, it is, by definition, not impossible. If he tells you to do something, it can be done. That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad I came to church today because there's great revelation right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your actions defeat you. Or your actions put you over. According to your action, will you receive? And by your inaction, you are kept from receiving. How many of you are still waiting to see something and then you'll believe? How many of you are waiting to feel something and then you'll believe? No, believe God now, take action now, and then you'll see something. Believe God now, take action now, and then you'll feel something. So Jesus said it, and the invalid did it. Number three, the invalid received it. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. So Jesus said it, the invalid did it, and the invalid received it. And number four, the, the man who had been an invalid told it. John 5, verse 18, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Now what's interesting is you don't find that in the law of Moses. That was one of their rules. They just made up out of their head. And that's why we don't have rules at Faith Christian Center. You know, I wouldn't go to a church where they run around checking women's makeup and run around checking women's skirt length and run around checking women's hair length. And why do they always pick on the women? And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the Lord... The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him. Now, that's fascinating to me. Jesus found him. Jesus went out of his way to find this man later. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And this is probably the only church in America where those words will be uttered this morning. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You got gonorrhea? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Stop it. 
The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So we dealt with this two weeks ago. He ratted the Lord out, but he still told it. So Jesus said it. The invalid did it. The invalid received it. The man who had been an invalid then told it. And let's keep reading. We want to deal with the context, verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. It's amazing, isn't it? They should have been happy the man was healed. They should have been happy that a man who had been an invalid 38 years was healed. And the thing I don't understand about this is that the least Jesus had to be, the least Jesus had to be was a prophet of God operating at the Elijah level or the Elisha level. The least Jesus had to be was a prophet operating at the Elijah level or the Elisha level. And if that's the least he was, then you should leave him the heck alone. But they were filled with jealousy because he was doing what they could not do. It wasn't about the day. It was about the crowds. It wasn't about the day. It was about the miracles. It wasn't about the day. It was about the healings. You know what it was? Jealousy. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. You know, if we would just take these verses and meditate on these verses and say to ourselves, this is the son of God talking. So if, if Jesus had to operate by these principles, then we do too. We would get a lot further down the road. I mean, listen to what he says. The son can do nothing by himself. So how much can we do by ourselves? Nothing. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Now look at the basis upon which crossing over from death to life comes, and that is hearing the word and believing the word. You know, in recent days, I've been meditating on something having to do with faith. A while back, I got, I had a banker say, we'll do thus and so, and I got to meditating on this, you know, how a banker can give us their word and we just proceed. We just go on down the road. We just, we just take it as uh, truth and we begin to take action on it. The banker says, we'll do it, we'll do it. We'll do it. And we just take them at their word and we just go on down the road and we act like we can count on their word. But what really caught my attention was then a few days later, I get what's called a letter of confirmation. And I thought, my God, my God, my God, we have been sent a letter of confirmation by our Father who art in heaven. And it is called the Holy Written Word of God. Amen. We get a letter of confirmation from a bank that they'll do this or they'll do that, and we just believe it. We take action. I got a letter. I got a letter. I got a letter. Well, why don't we do that with our bodies? Why don't we do that with our money? Why don't we do that when we need to run the devil out of our lives? That I've got my letter of confirmation. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17. He said, Father, thy word is truth. So his word is true and he is true. His word is good and he is good. We can take him at his word. Amen. 
And all of the insanities you see going on in the culture in 2023 are attacks on the written word of God. If God said it, they're against it. And they come up with all this stuff that is an attack on the written word of God and churches left and right are going along with the culture instead of standing on the word of God. And that's why you don't see miracles Every year that goes by, seems like you hear about miracles less and less and less. I don't know about you, but I want more answers. I don't know about you, but I want more answered prayer. I don't know about you, but I want more miracles. Can I get an amen? amen. And every day the Lord tarries, we need more. We need more answers. Amen. amen. Verse twenty. For I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So it is hearing the word and believing the word that gives, allows us to cross from death to life. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth. And notice again the fool, what Paul calls the foolishness of preaching. It is amazing because, you know, people, your loved ones, your relatives will say, don't preach to me, but that's how salvation comes. That's how faith comes. This is the, what Paul called the foolishness of preaching. This is how faith comes, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what I'm, what I'm pleading with you earnestly this morning to do is don't let the word pass you by. Don't let the word go in one ear and out the other. Take hold of the word of God. Believe the word of God because it's only the word of God that you hear and the word of God that you believe and the word of God that you take action on that has any effect in your life. Amen. See, that, that invalid could have heard Jesus he could have even believed Jesus. But if he had not taken action on the word, the word would have had no effect in his life. And a lot of people today think they're believers. They're not believers. They are mental assenters. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. We know what God knows. Hebrews 11, God knows what we believe by what we take action on. I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. I mean, how, how are the dead raised? I said, how are the dead raised? The dead are raised by the voice of God. There'll come a time when there'll be a trumpet blast on high and God himself will say, come up hither and those who are dead in Christ will rise first and we will meet them in the air. We will be changed. We will be transformed. We will meet them in the air. But how does it happen? It happens by the word of God. By the word of God, by the word of God, by the word of God. It happens by the word of God. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. Say it out loud. By myself, by myself. I, can do I can do nothing. So with a glad and a cheerful and a joyful heart, I willingly confess that I have done none of these things by my hand. I heard the word, I believed the word, I took action on the word of God. I followed the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit of God imperfectly. Uh, let me say this, very imperfectly. And we, we have all that we have as Faith Christian Center in St. Paul's Preparatory Academy. But these are not the works of a man. These are the works of God. Amen. We heard the word, we believe the word. Hallelujah, we took action on the word of God. Let me say it this way. We heard the word. We believe the word. We believe the word sufficiently to take action on the word of God. Amen. By myself, I can do nothing. <clears throat> I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. How about we meditate on that? I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And it's worse than that because this generation 
And this generation of preachers is not only trying to please themselves rather than please God, they're trying to please Hollywood. They're trying to please Washington. They're trying to please the culture. It's almost like nobody in the ministry in America has hardly has read the little book of 1 John. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And they, they, they can't figure it out. It amazes me. They can't figure it out that you cannot make this world happy by believing them. A whole swath of the church went apostate on the basis of race because a politician of their race was running for president and he was pro-abortion and a whole swath of the body of Christ went apostate because they wanted to identify with a politician of their color. Don't get too excited. <laughs> because now a whole nother swath has identified with a pro-trans politician. And I'm not talking about a Democrat. It's amazing to me. You know, I've been married 46 years, coming up on 47, and I can hardly make Sue happy. <laughs> so, make the world happy? Are you kidding me? You cannot make them happy. They are insane. And they are getting insaner I know that's not a word. <laughs> they are getting insaner week by week. So if you try and make the world happy, you're going to get insaner week by week. There's only one job. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we do our best to make our wife happy, our husband happy, our children. I understand that. But there's really only one job, and that is to live a life pleasing to him. Amen. And unlike this crazy world, his standards don't change every 24 hours. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank God our Bibles don't get an update. I hate it. When I try and look at something on my phone and I had an update and they logged me out of everything, I just hate it. Thank God that... One of the advantages of dying and going to heaven is I will never have to hear the word app again. <laughs> Thank God. His word is unchangeable. Thank God. His standards are unchangeable. Thank God it's not a moving target. And then the, the great news. is in that Faith Hall of Fame chapter, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What if all of this Christian culture, so-called Christian culture in America, was seeking to please God like they're seeking to please the world, seeking to please God like they're seeking to please a politician, seeking to please God, believing God, believing God. Believe in God like they believe these politicians. Amen. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And Jesus said to the man, Wilt thou be made whole? And Jesus said to the man, Get up. Not very kind, is it? Get up. 
what are you doing sitting around for 38 years? What are you doing sitting around waiting for an angel? What are you doing sitting around waiting for some man to help you? And I'll tell you what, it's not just the men or the women or the women or the men that could say it, but I'm telling you, there's a bunch of women here and you know it's true. Ain't no man going to help you. You find some man, you think he's going to help you, and then he sits on the sofa and eats your supplies while you're at work. So you waiting on somebody? That's futile effort. Trying to please people. Trying to please this culture. Trying to please what's going on in the culture. It can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. But I'm here to tell you this morning, through the foolishness of the preaching of the word of God, if you will stop sitting there waiting on an angel, stop sitting there waiting on some man to help you, if you will let faith spring up in your heart, and even if you don't understand it, if you will begin taking action on the word of God, you'll change your life, you'll change your body, you'll change your home, you'll change your family, you'll change your marriage if you're married, and you'll change your financial net worth by daring to take God at his word and believe. Think about how insane it is. You know, I went to a doctor, you know, we're just jumping through hoops trying to save money on some insurance, and it, it asked you on the form, what do you identify as? <laughs> you know, and I want to put WTF. I was born a man, I am a man, I'm going to heaven a man. Amen. So talk about a sliding scale. Talk about a slippery slope. Talk about madness and insanity. Shout out loud, I am. I am. Who God says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am where God says I am. Seated right now in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus. In the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what God says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do I can what do. God says I can do. Shout it like your life depends on it. I can do all things, can do all things through, Christ through Christ who gives me the strength. Can you give the Lord a shout of victory this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life individually and personally. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He said, you must be born again. Revelation 3, he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. How many, see, see the work of salvation is not up to God. It's up to you because God's done the work through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many this morning would say, Pastor Gene, I've never made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior, but I want to do so this morning. I don't want to continue living in my sins, not knowing God, not having this relationship with God that you've spoken of this morning. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to know that the word of God is true in my life that I can have what God says belongs to me. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. High enough to where I can see it. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. You may be here this morning and, and you prayed that kind of a prayer, but you haven't been living it. You haven't been living for the Lord like you know you should. Well, 
I came to bring you good news. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you don't have, you're not, you're not lost in the sense that you've committed some unpardonable sin. No, you're here, you're in church, you're curious about the things of God. All you need to do is take action on the word of God. 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins, not to me, not to a priest, but to God. And he'll forgive you because he's loving, he's kind, he's gracious. His mercies are new every morning. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I want to recommit my life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I have not been living for the Lord like I know I should, but I want to do so from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Yes. <clears throat> yes, thank you. Everybody in the room standing, let's give opportunity for, for people to take action on the Word of God this morning. If you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to gather your belongings up, especially ladies, take your purse in hand. I don't want you thinking about your stuff, so bring your stuff with you. But if you raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to join me. Step boldly into that aisle. Join me here at the front. We're going to pray. You know, the world is bold about their insanity. We need to be bold about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So if you raised your hand for either invitation, step boldly into the aisle. Join me here at the front. But if, if, if you didn't raise your hand, but God is calling you, God is speaking to you, God is drawing you, then I want you to come and make your way to the front. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you so much. For the sake of the one who's coming and others who may be coming, and also for the sake of those that are watching online and would like to commit or recommit their lives to God, let's pray this proud loud together. Father God, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing, and I've lived for self. But today I turn from that old way of living, and I give you my life. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord. So according to your word, I am forgiven and I thank you for not rejecting me but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray and everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. If you go with Mr. Jeff Hughes, we'll get you right back in the service as quick as we can. Let's give God thanksgiving for lives changed.